0: I think telling stories is what allows a smaller company to kind of get an upper hand on a bigger company because a bigger company maybe doesn't feel the need to do it.
1: Hey, my name is Felix Tia. I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn how to create a viral moment, how to educate your customers on your cause, and why storytelling is your biggest advantage over bigger companies and how to do it. Today I'm joined by Yano from Peace Collective. Peace Collective is a community and lifestyle brand all about showing pride in who you are and what you love while giving back to a good cause. And it was started in 2014 and based out of Toronto and has annual revenues of three to five million. Welcome, Yano. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So this all started, at least the, the, the uh, path towards the crazy success all started with a viral shirt. Tell us about that. What was the viral shirt? What happened?
0: Yeah, so it all started in uh, 2014 uh, with the shirt that said Toronto versus everybody. Uh, at the time, I was working in sales uh, in business development at a software company, and it was a shirt that you know this is something was I always wanted to do. I always wanted to start my own business, do something in the lifestyle clothing space. And you know, one day I was waiting for a friend to go watch a Raptors game. It was the first Raptors game in the playoffs, and you know, maybe more than 10 years we were playing the Brooklyn Nets and uh 2014 I made I was at a in front of a print shop you know I decided I had the file uh, on my computer I was just going to go in and print it I was waiting for my friend printed the shirt uh for me and him wore it to the game uh when I was at the game uh I somehow got picked up on a little documentary that uh somebody was doing uh, I think it was TSN on uh the on Toronto becoming a Toronto Raptors city uh so as soon as that happened people were asking for it asking where the shirt came from uh and then you know I've been waiting for this moment. I always wanting to start my own business. So that night I decided, okay, I'm going to figure out how to sell T-shirts and I'm going to figure out how to sell it online.
1: Okay. So people saw this on, on TV, but did you have it for sale Yeah, Like how did, what, what happened next after uh, it was on TV?
0: Oh uh, yeah, it started super me. Literally like uh, I had come up with the, I always had the idea for uh, the brand Peace Collective uh, all about showing pride in your, your favorite city and your favorite team or your favorite country. Uh, while giving back to a good cause, so for every garment sold, five meals are provided to a child in need. But it was always just an idea. When I, f- you know, saw that people were interested in the shirt, I took the next step. You know, I started searching. You know, where do I get shirts made? How do I get some shirts printed? I uh, did a small print of T-shirts and then went online and uh, you know, search how do you build a store? How do you build an online shop? And the first thing I was pointed towards was Shopify. I uh, so spent a couple of weeks learning how to build an online store. Uh, In the meantime, I was just literally messaging people on Instagram, selling them shirts, you know, out of my bag, meeting up with people downtown, like really small and organic. Until it got to the point where I built the website and, you know, I, it, it was the beginning of something in a business.
1: Right. So how did you capitalize on this, uh, this opportunity to, for, for the shirt to be on TV? Because you didn't have a site yet. I'm assuming unless your friend like shouted out some Instagram handle or some website. How do people go from seeing the shirt on TV, wanting it and then finding you, the person that was making them?
0: Yeah, well, it was, it was a slow build at first from that first day. It was, you know, was, like I said, learning how to build a Shopify website, putting that up. And then once I had the Shopify site up, you know, I had a couple of products. Then it was trying to identify who, who the customer is, uh, finding people that wanted to show pride in, in being from Toronto and, you know, trying to connect with them over Instagram. And it started very instantly like that. It was just about finding people in Toronto, uh, on the one side as, as a customer base that were looking to purchase anything about being from Toronto, and then working with and looking for people that represented what it means to be from Toronto, what it means to be Canadian. You know, what we like to do is showcase Canadians that are chasing their passion and aligning ourselves with them and, you know, putting shirts in their hand. And back in the day, Instagram was a lot, you know, easier to do stuff organically. So it was just finding cool Canadians that were doing what they love, getting the shirts in their hands, and then, you know, slowly building a community from that.
1: Okay, got it. So I guess the question is, like, were you able to capitalize on that initial exposure on TV or was it just a, you know, something that was super cool to happen, but you still had to kind of build the store and build the traffic and build the awareness yourself?
0: Yeah, that was just the first launchpad moment. Just like, let me know that, hey, there could be possibly a market from here. Uh, from there, it was, that's when the work started to, you know, developing, developing the brand.
1: Okay, so this was a moment where you were able to validate that people are super interested in it, but you still did a lot of work to do to get it to the point where you could build a business and actually sell these shirts and sell other, other things underneath your brand. Okay, that makes sense. So you mentioned that this idea behind the business is you no know, just beyond just this this, this shirt initially. It was about, like you said, showing pride in your favorite city while giving back to a cause. So where did this? This is a you know is a marriage between two, uh, kind of specific, right? Again, pride in your in your favorite city, and then. Uh, you know purchases actually fund a cause that that you believe in what is where did the idea behind that come from
0: yeah the idea came from a trip Uh, i went to uh, morocco teaching english at a uh, at a school in morocco and they had a program where they provided uh, children from lower income households with a meal for breakfast a meal for lunch and a meal for dinner Uh, and the reason they were doing that is they were looking for ways to increase enrollment in school uh, they were having a tough time uh, of getting these parents to actually send their children to school. They prefer to take their child out with them during the day, put them to work, you know, maybe even having them out on the street collecting money. Uh, so the, the school experimented with a bunch of different things and they found the most effective way to get these parents to send their kids to school is by uh, providing a meal so the, you know the parent has one less worry. They're not worrying about how they're going to feed their child. Uh, so for me, the concept was, you know, I wanted to chase my passion, do what I love. I wanted to give back to a cause where, you know, something as simple as a meal can one day inadvertently provide a child with an education opportunity to one day do the same.
1: Got it. So I feel like a lot of people were interested in your, in your, purchasing stuff from you because they like the design they like the the message on the 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 clothing how much of that aspect of the cause base out of it do you feel like people are or that you feel is motivating people to 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 purchase from you
0: yeah i think it's a huge a huge part of it even now today but i think especially when i was first starting uh i think a lot of people got behind that messaging got behind the idea of supporting people want to support something that they believe in, uh, especially in in the day and age we live in right now when there's so many different options. So I think it allowed us to cut through a lot of the noise and people were able to support a cause they believed in. And it also helped turn our customers into people who were really pushing our brand messaging. Uh, Because the t-shirts are so simple and they're so easy to spot, you know, it's easy for somebody to stop one of our customers to be like, hey, cool, that's a really cool t-shirt. Where'd you get it from? And instead of just being like, oh, it's a t-shirt I bought online, it, there's a story for them to tell to their friends and their families. And that really pushed the word of mouth. Uh, you know, this is a really cool shirt. Uh, it's from Peace Collective. Purchasing this shirt provided five meals to a child in need. And, you know, our customers end up becoming part of this real community and and helping spread the cause. And, No, word of mouth is what built the brand early on before we got the increased exposure before we really knew what we were doing.
1: Got it. okay. So you mentioned that you were kind of like almost like hustling and selling these things on Instagram, like because you didn't have anything up yet, and just trying to find ways to get out to the community. But nowadays, the way they use Instagram is is probably different than what you would typically hear how other people are using Instagram, where they're using paid ads or paid Facebook ads. Tell us about how you your your philosophy behind using Instagram to to push your brand.
0: Yeah, for Instagram, for us, is obviously on, on one end, it's making sure we have the different communities is make, is obviously what we're doing on the paid ad side is, you know, driving, trying to drive revenue through showcasing product. But for us, it's trying to take it a lot deeper. Uh, so for Instagram, for us, we look at it first as an opportunity to build a community. Uh, we do that through telling a lot of stories. Uh, so showcasing, you know, everyday people that are, you know, purchasing a Homeless Toronto t-shirt, telling the story of why Toronto is home to them. And creating, trying to create an engaged community, uh, we use it on a bigger scale when we're uh, whether it's we're working with a certain athlete or we're trying to get it in the hands of certain athletes uh, to you know again try to create a viral moment or an opportunity to share a story. Uh, recently, we did a campaign where uh, we took, which I think we leveraged social media really well. We uh, did a campaign where we took a MAGA hat. Uh, and we unraveled it, the thread from the MAGA hat and we made a toque that said, welcome to Canada. Uh, and the toque, all the proceeds from the toque went to supporting a local Toronto organization named Woodgreen, uh, providing services to immigrants getting relocated to Canada. And we created a video, uh, three minute video talking about, showcasing three immigrant stories and how they moved to Canada from the US or from abroad. Uh, and then we really put a lot of, effort through seeding the video to different influencers and different, again, finding Canadians that would resonate with the cause and sharing that video with it. And within a week, the video was viewed, I think in total over a million times. So it's just, you know, trying to go, go past just, you know, what you're, what you're able to, you know, anybody can put a little bit of money behind a product post, but it's how do you create stories that connect to people that allows you to cut through the noise, especially when you're starting off and you might not have that, that budget to compete with a bigger company.
1: Yeah, so definitely want to talk about that that uh, viral campaign that you that you methodically and purposefully built to, uh, to 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 try to get this viral content out there. But before we get there, I want to talk about. The, the, the system that you have in place because when you are doing things like featuring stories and, and featuring stories from the community, there's a lot of people involved much more than if you were to just sit back and run, you know, Facebook and Instagram ads. So tell us about the system that you have in place so that you are able to produce, you know, this kind of quality content at, at scale.
0: Yeah, like, and it, it is a system, like you mentioned, you know, it is something that took a long time to build, you know, from starting off, just myself, DMing people, meeting up with people, having photographer meet me, taking pictures. Uh, so it's really like the first team we built out internally is, is a team of, of people who are more focused on community and content than it was on marketing or, or Facebook ad spend. Uh, so, but today what we were able to do is we were able to automate a lot of the things, uh, even every single time, we want if a customer takes a picture wearing our garment, instead of just taking that photo and posting it, we'll reach out to the customer over DM, ask them to send us a story about why they love being Canadian or what being Canadian means to them, and then something as simple as like a product repost, it has an engaging caption to it. Uh, we have a network of photographers that we've built uh, all across Canada, so we have a couple of photographers we work with at every city, and we'll just literally post on Instagram asking people who... Ha- have amazing stories to share about, you know, recently immigrating to Canada, growing up in Canada, and we'll connect them with a photographer in that area to go out and shoot them. So just about creating these systems where we don't have a big team, we're a really small team, but we're leveraging people that believe in the brand uh, and leveraging, you know, people who have stories that they want to tell
1: god okay i like this approach where when someone is tagging uh your your product which which happens all the time right for other for other brands a lot of people just kind of repost it or put it on their website but you try to extend kind of the content behind it so what do you do exactly when you reach out to over DM? like you're just asking like what is this why are you proud to be canadian like what is like the actual steps that that are involved to 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 kind of get the content that you want
0: yeah so for us we have a lot of different product lines you know have about like our sports team, so Raptors, Blue Jays, we have Canadian Pride, Toronto Pride. So let's just say, for example, somebody posts a picture wearing a Raptors T-shirt, which happened a lot during this last uh, playoff run. Uh, we'd send them a DM over Instagram uh, telling them we love the photo that they took and that we were really interested in sharing it in our feed and telling... A little bit of a deeper story to the community. Uh, we ask, we follow up by asking, is there a story about being a Raptors fan, or why do you love the Raptors? Is there anything you'd like to share? And usually, they're more than happy to, you know, send back a paragraph or two about, you know, being a fan or a specific story that they have. And we're able to, you know, pair that with the photo as a as a, as a caption, and then that creates engaging content. And then I think other people may see that as well and want to share their story. So I really think it's a, it's a snowball effect that that starts to happen.
1: Got it. So that that makes sense to, uh, these days, where you are have you have a lot of customers and you have a lot of new customers coming in. When you're first starting out, though, and for anyone out there that is that wants to take the same approach as you, by by focusing on the community first and helping and telling the stories of the communities that they care about, how do you recommend they begin if they don't have any customers yet, but they want to just kind of start building a brand within the community? Where do they begin? To, where do they get the stories from? Yeah, I
0: definitely, obviously it's a lot easier when you're bigger, but I think there's an opportunity. I think telling stories is what allows a smaller company to kind of get an upper hand on a bigger company because a bigger company maybe doesn't feel the need to do it. Uh, so I think first of all, like hopefully anybody that started a brand is doing so because they have something they're passionate about. And whatever that passion is, there's other people out there that have that same passion. So for example, if you're starting a brand around, uh, lifting weights around, you know, being in shape. So it's, Putting in the groundwork, going on Instagram. What are the top hashtags around weightlifting? You know, what are the top brands that are doing something in this space already? Searching those hashtags, building those communities, trying to communicate with those people, trying to ask people. People like to talk about what they're passionate about. And yeah, when you're starting off, you're going to have to put in more work, but there's a lot of opportunity to put in that groundwork and Utilizing hashtags in different communities around the internet to find those people. And that's what we did when we first started. It was, you know, finding every hashtag to do with anything to do with Toronto, uh, Canada, uh, searching those hashtags, finding those people that create good content that use those hashtags, putting the product in their hand or scheduling, you know, an opportunity to create content for them. It's just doing little things like that and putting, you have to put in the hours when you don't have the money to spend.
1: Okay, yeah, I want to get tactical here, so that when you find these people that are in the community already, you're basically talking about almost like influencers or micro-influencers in the communities that you are that you want to be a part of. You find these people that are, are influencers there already, and what are you doing? You're like, you're like commenting on their posts, you're replying to people that are commenting on their posts, you're DMing them. Like, what are you? What kind of, uh, I guess, uh, ideally, what kind of engagement? What kind of way do you want to work with them?
0: Yeah, I think definitely either commenting on their photos or DMing them, but you know, doing it in a way I think a lot of people do that, but they do it in a pretty selfish way where they're, you know, talking about what they want. So I think it's just doing it in a way where you're actually taking the time to look at the photo they posted, saying something, you know, nice about it, trying to engage in, in something on their feed and trying to create a conversation. So it's no like cookie cutter approach. I think you just have to, yeah, you have to look at what they're, you know, let's just say somebody's posting photos about Toronto. Just starting a conversation by just saying, Hey, these are great content. That's great content. Uh, Love the photos that you're, that you're posting. once you've kind of built that dialogue, then it's, you know, this is what we do. You know, we'd love to offer this. Like, what is it? What's in it for the other person?
1: I got it. Okay, so do you remember how much time you had to put in early on to to, to do this? Just, just to give you some context about how much work is required to, to start building a community from scratch on Instagram.
0: Yeah, I think I probably, I think it was honestly probably 75 to 80% of my job, to be honest with you, when I was starting to do this and I was working full time. Uh, I was at Salesforce, so yeah, I was doing sales in that and I was kind of doing this on the side. So it was pretty much, I get home around maybe 6 p.m., do it to like midnight, to like 1 a.m., doing that. And so about maybe like three, four hours a day, just solely focused on that and trying to connect with people. And, you know, it's a numbers game. You're, you're going to maybe message 20, 30 people, you know, a couple of people will be interested. And that's where I think having like a, like a cause behind your brand really helps. Uh, so when I was first starting out, it was about, you know, making sure we were taking quality photographs and you know showcasing the product in a good light and again talking about the cause. And then once you, you connect with people that are motivated and, and and love what you're talking about, usually they see what you're doing and they'll be more than happy to want to be involved.
1: Okay. So you're talking about like five hours a day of your time basically on Instagram communicating with this community. How did you know that that was the right use of your your time? Like, what were you seeing that that made you realize, okay, this is what I should be spending my time on rather than something else that that could be involved in growing the business?
0: Yeah, I think for me, it was... Because I did have the luxury of, of working full time, like I didn't need it to, you know, to generate revenue right away. For me, it was about, you know, making sure building, like we did it the right way and built a community. But it also, it's everything's positive reinforcement, you know, like showcasing, you know, trying to message those people and then getting connected with somebody with a decent following who really liked the messaging and then shared the photo. And then people asked where to find it and then purchases started coming through. So, you know, when I had very little resources, it just made a lot of sense. And then from there, it was, you know, finding blogs or pages on Instagram that are about showcasing pride in Toronto and Canada. And it's getting the product in their hand and then they post it and that increases the following and people are purchasing more and more. And then it just, it started to create a snowball effect when I had very little resources.
1: Got it. So let's, let's take it back even earlier than this. Like, how did you know that this particular, Uh, brand this particular message not not so much about the cause but the message of representing your community of Toronto how did you know that this was a underserved market that you could come in and and dominate
0: yeah I just uh once I saw that initial reaction and the initial like interest and I also think I I was lucky in a sense starting at a time where you know Toronto and Canada as a whole was growing in the eyes of of the of, of the world You know, you had stuff like the Raptors starting to be a more competitive team. Uh, the Blue Jays started, were were taking off at around that point. Obviously, you had everything that was happening in music with Drake, The Weeknd. Uh, there was this whole sense of Toronto pride and Canadian pride. And there's just, there's not, there wasn't a lot of options. You know, when I, when I think of Canadian pride, you have maybe one or two companies that, that did anything. And it was a very, you know, nostalgic idea of what Canada is. You know, when you hear stuff like, you know, plaid shirts and, uh, like what are all the stereotypes, plaid shirts and uh, uh, what are some stereotypes, let me try to think of some stereotypes, plaid shirts, uh... I'm not
1: gonna say <laughs> you know, anything.
0: saying sorry too much or uh, poutine or uh, skating, you know what I mean? It was like a very old kind of idea of what Canada was. And I didn't think it was like a modern multicultural representation of what there is in Toronto and Canada. And there wasn't a lot of people doing it in a fashionable way. Uh, so I thought just, you know, just by seeing that in the market, there just wasn't a lot of op- there wasn't a lot of options just for myself. Uh, so I definitely thought that there was a need there. And it was something that developed over time. Like when I first came up with the idea of Peace Collective, I didn't necessarily know it would completely go in that direction. I knew I had the cause and the why behind it. And it was just getting that positive reinforcement.
1: Hey, real quick. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of. Now, let's get back to the interview. Okay. So you also mentioned that you want to schedule time to create content for these influencers. Can you say more about this? Like what does it mean to create content for them?
0: Yeah. So again, finding pages, like for example, when we, we, I've spent a lot of work trying to find pages that are all about showing Toronto pride or Canadian pride. And it was working with local photographers to go out there and create great content. Cause what they're doing is they're always showcasing pictures of Canada and like Different places. So it's going, taking those pictures with a photographer, showcasing the shirt, sending it to them, getting somebody to organically post it. And then we're doing a service by providing that content that they're going to reshare anyways. And there wasn't a lot of other things like that on the market.
1: I see. So you were looking for, for pages that were showcasing like Toronto landmarks yeah. or, Or some kind of scenery, and then you are getting a photographer and a model. I'm assuming that's wearing your clothing to that place. So how does how do you how do you take this in a way where it doesn't look too much like an advertisement?
0: Uh, Because I think even with what we do right now, like uh, for us, it's like the shirt is an afterthought. Like either like the first thing is like this amazing place in Canada, and somebody's wearing a shirt, or somebody's wearing a shirt and they're telling a cool story. So it's just like you're not. I'm not trying to. We're not trying to say hey, buy this shirt. It's like hey, this is. A story of somebody who's Canadian, or here's this cool picture, and it's like it kind of ties it all together with the cause. It's like making sure that you're creating a reason for somebody to want to go to the website.
1: And how personalized are you have to make this content, because I can assu- I can assume that you are if you're going out and getting a photographer getting a model out there it's not if it's someone doing a free event it's like still time intensive and resource intensive for someone to get out there and you want to get one shot with one influencer like do you try to kind of shop it around i guess to try to get someone to pick it up or how i guess how much effort do you need to put into customizing specifically for one profile or can a shoot work for multiple profiles
0: no, it can usually work for most things. I think so. We weren't necessarily doing something for a specific page. It was just trying to create good content and then put it out.
1: Got it. how often were you doing this?
0: When I started off, that's pretty much that was the complete strategy. Like that was the strategy until we got to a point where we could start doing other things.
1: All right. So we, we talked about the, the kind of the hustle that you had to, to put into Instagram. But I think what, what is, what really blew you up was the kind of viral content that was out of your control. But then also the ones that you did have your, in your control. So let's talk about the second kind of viral moment that was out of your control.
0: So yeah, I can tell you it's the first like really viral moment that kind of took us up a notch as a brand, uh, took place, I want to say 20, end of 20, like summer of 2015. Yeah, summer of 2015 in our first year. And again, it was the same strategy, trying to associate ourselves with Canadians that are doing amazing things. Uh, so I had an opportunity, you know, a friend of a friend came up to me and said, Hey, it's, uh, it's Jose Batista's birthday and he wants to, uh, gift your, uh, your, one of your sweaters, uh, to the whole team. It was right before the Blue Jays went to the playoffs. Uh, so I usually hear this stuff all the time and a lot of time, you know, you send out stuff and you get nothing back and like, you don't even hear anything back from that person. But you know, you're always looking for that one opportunity that can kind of change things. Uh, so we made these packages for all the different players, made handwritten notes, kind of gave it off to him. Uh, didn't really hear anything for a month or so. Uh, and then one day, uh, one day just opened up Instagram in the morning and. Jose Batista, who was, you know, the star of the Blue Jays back then had, you know, posted on Instagram saying, uh, this is this brand, Peace Collective. It was pretty much all the team wearing the sweater. This is what they're about. This is the charitable cause. Go purchase the sweaters. Uh, so that was probably the most h- high profile thing that we had gotten up until that point. And, you know, sales were, were climbing and it was, it was crazy. It was, we hadn't seen anything like that.
1: Which, which, uh, which sweat, sorry, which sweater was this? It was, uh, it
0: was a Homeless Toronto sweater. I'm okay. sorry, a Toronto versus everybody navy sweater. So that later that day, uh, the Blue Jays were played a game, uh, and I'm not, I don't know how big of a sports fan you were, but it was the big moment where he uh, hit a home run and he flipped the bat, the bat flip moment, probably one of the most famous moments in Toronto sports. Uh, so after he won that, after he did that home run, walk off home run, won the game. At the end of the game, while the MLB were handing out shirts that said, you know, congratulations, you've moved on to the next round. He put on our sweater instead, and then he wore the sweater to the press conference. Uh, so that night, uh, I think till this day, that was probably maybe our third biggest sales day ever. Uh, so that's what really raised our profile, and you know, we generated more revenue than we had ever had as a company in one, in one night.
1: Yeah, I think you, you said here that you were maybe doing like 10000 a month before this and then within a month after that, or less than a month after that, you did close to half a million in sales. So uh, you mentioned that all the time you, you get hit up by influencers or people know someone that know someone and they're asking for products from you and a lot of times it ends up turning out to be nothing, nothing comes out of it. What made you say yes anyway to this opportunity?
0: Yeah, I'd love to say that I knew this was going to be the opportunity, that this was the one. but you I think a lot of the times you never know so for me and you know as a company our philosophy back then was to you know take as many opportunities as we can uh that's why you you know I mentioned earlier putting in the hours messaging as many people as possible finding as much of a community as you can because you never know when that one opportunity is going to come your way uh, that's one thing. And the other thing is, you know, a lot of the times you might find a big influencer or, you know, somebody that give you a shout out, but it just might not work with the brand. Like the people following the, that influencer might not really care. So it's making sure that you're not just messaging anybody, but you're messaging, you know, somebody whose audience is going to connect with what you do as a company. So I think at that moment, it was the perfect person and just the right time. So being able to capitalize off that.
1: Got it. So that moment where you went from about 10,000 per month to now on pace to do half a million in less than a month, like what was that like? What were you guys, I'm sure you guys looked at each other and like, what is going on? Like, how, what was that feeling like? To explain to us, like that at that time where you saw this, the sales going through the roof. Like, what was that moment like?
0: Yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was probably one of my fondest moments. Just, you know, it just was a, it was a feeling of validation. Like, you know, you work really hard, you have this hunch. Uh, you want to do something and a lot of times it feels like it's crazy and there's long nights and lots of work and you know you start to second guess yourself and maybe lose that faith so I think in that moment it was just good to soak it in and for us it just it was just not necessarily just like celebrating but just knowing that okay we're, we're really on to something here and this success is going to hopefully put us in a position to really figure out how to grow and you know continue it's all about doing what you love so continue doing what we love for the for the for the foreseeable future. So we tried to make it kind of like a launch point, like let's capitalize on this, but let's make sure we sit down and you know make a plan, like how do we pivot this into something that's going to be sustainable long term, not just something that, you know, this was fun, we made it, like it really worked out right here. We were able to generate a lot of sales, but then it just goes back to the way it was and you're not really capitalizing on that moment.
1: Yeah, so those come those, those my two follow-up questions. The first one is, how are you able to fulfill on this? Like, all of a sudden, a huge spike in, in orders. Like, how did you have your system set up so that you were able to deliver the products?
0: We didn't at all. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, as great of a moment it was, but it was also like a really tough moment because we were first like really starting off and hadn't really understood just, just in general, like how to use Shopify or the tools we were really on was, you know, it was really early as a company. Uh, so there were some drawbacks as well. There was a lot of, you know, reaching out to customers and, uh, most customers were understanding, but making sure we were doing a lot of customer support and reaching out to customers and, if there was any delays and on our end like learning really quickly like how do we increase our production capability and you know it was kind of like everything was magnified times 100 you know you have somebody doing customer support that's used to answering two emails a day and then in one night they get you know hundreds of emails so it was a really hard month of extremely long nights and trying to transform everything we do but it was a moment of growth so it allowed us to kind of Understand what it took to do volumes like that, and try to figure out, okay, how do we put the right systems in place? But there, there was a lot of uh, a lot of hiccups along the way.
1: So, what was the supply chain back then? Like, how were you producing the products, and how did that change as you kind of encountered much, much larger volumes of sales?
0: Yeah, back then when we were first starting off. It was just you know looking for different uh, blank providers, uh, locally, that we were able to kind of leverage the inventory they had on hand. I uh, and not take too much of a risk holding inventory so it was you know using a lot of local we had a, we had a couple of local partners that were helping us source those blanks uh but you know as we've grown and now we understand what it takes is a lot of forecasting and kind of we produce our own garments uh from start to finish and it was you know that volume that we did that month allowed us to invest in the products which allowed us to grow moving forward
1: Okay. And the second thing is you mentioned that you wanted to take this opportunity as a launch pad. You didn't want to just be like a spike in sales and all of a sudden back to the original baseline. You wanted to extend this viral exposure. So how did you, how did you do that? Like, What was, what were you guys doing to make sure that this was a kind of a new beginning rather than like, you know, just a, a kind of a blip?
0: Yeah, I think for us that in that moment, we learned a lot about who our customer base was, you know, prior to that moment, uh again like the brand is all about showcasing your pride in being Canadian in Toronto and we realized that idea of showing pride really resonates with sports fans which is kind of like a no-brainer right now but you know at the moment we weren't even necessarily thinking of it like that. Uh so it kind of allowed us to see like for now like our pillars today are country, city and team and self so you're showing pride in yourself and in, in your favorite team and your city and your country. But that was really birthed then so you know, at that moment, we were doing so many, so much sales all related to the Blue Jays. That was a perfect opportunity for us to reach out to the MLB and reach out to the Blue Jays, and we were able to really pivot that opportunity into getting a license with the MLB. Uh, so from there, we were able to start producing licensed apparel, and we kind of found our niche in that market by, you know, sh- providing fashion-forward uh, fan apparel. That is perfect not only to wear to the game, but you know, when you're lounging around or you're going out with friends, you know, a versatile line of uh, sports licensed apparel that there wasn't really in the market. And that viral moment was allowed us to pivot and get an MLB license, allowed us to open a whole new revenue stream that we didn't have previous
1: amazing so basically a chance to improve the product get this kind of exclusive licensing that then not everyone can have access to so obviously improves like the the the, the brand what about on the customer side like how are you able to because uh, you not have a huge influx of new customers how are you able to make sure that the customer service and like uh, turn them basically into repeat buyers
0: yeah and again like if it was it was a really new time so no no we didn 't maybe do it the best way, obviously, if that viral moment to happen, now we have the whole infrastructure set up. But it was a learning lesson for us. Like we figured out, you know, what's the best customer service solution to put in place? Like what communicates the best with Shopify? So it was in that moment, you know, moving on to a new system for customer service. So it was making sure we, we had everything connected to our email clients. So, you know, all these purchases are turning into emails that we can leverage moving forward. We're leveraging this and, and make our social, our social following is growing on Instagram and on Twitter. So we're able to now market to a bigger audience of people. So I think, you know, sales aside, it's the amount of data we collected on what our customers like, but also the amount of emails uh, and Instagram followers in the the community we were able to build further.
1: So you you saw that in the data that there was, that the the, um, sports fans were the biggest and most rabid fans of yours, of your products, because you looked at the data. Was there anything in the data that you saw, that you guys saw that surprised you, that you guys had no idea was true?
0: Yeah, I think a big thing we learned around that time is that 60, I want to say about 65% of our customers were women. Uh, so I think for us, we really understood that a part of what we were able to service is that, you know, female, uh, fans did not have a lot of options when it came to wearing, you know, apparel to a game. A lot of this industry in the sports world is is obviously very heavily marketed towards males. So there was a big gap in the market with providing quality fan apparel to 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 the female consumer. Uh, So we learned that we learned that once we learned that, and once we learned that sports licensing was a huge could be a huge opportunity for us. It was about putting the two together and you know trying to find and create audiences to find what find more of that customer
1: got it so a lot of female fan apparel demand was what you saw in the data well so that that influenced the products that you're designing what about like when it comes to like the marketing the branding how did that how did that knowledge that the demographics were possibly different than what you' expected how did that how did that change the way that you spoke about the brand or the marketing behind it
0: uh, to be honest that's one thing that hasn't really changed
1: uh, like for us it's, it's always been the same since day one it's the same
0: now it's something that I think that gives us an edge like we we have like our cause and our why and what we're doing and we've always kind of stuck to it what what we've learned a lot more because we didn't start off with the greatest knowledge about product it's something we developed along the way so I think we've been able to grow and you know our understanding of how to use the analytics and the data and how to continue to continue to build better product but I think the 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 idea behind the marketing has been the same since day one and we've just been getting better at it
1: Got it. So is this still an active strategy that you pursue today? Because, you know, before you were working with uh, influencers, but they were just kind of like general pages for the most part. But now you got, you got representation of your products with like celebrity level influencers. Is this still an active way, uh, I guess, strategy that you use today?
0: Uh, no, today it's more now that we've been able to kind of build a solid base and a solid community. For us now, it's just continuing to grow that community. We actually prefer to use, uh, on like a day to day basis, more of what you consider micro influencers. Uh, just because I think Instagram today is also, uh, Instagram social media in the influencer world today is, it's, it's very saturated and there's a lot of huge companies in it. So for us, like the first thing we do is always like, why is, why we, like put, aligning ourselves with this person. Like what have they done? Like what is their story? Uh, what is what are they bringing back to their community? Like what difference are they making? So it's trying to leverage individual unique stories and less about you know looking at somebody's follower count.
1: Got it. Okay, so when when you talk about micro influencers, you're you're looking for what you're looking to identify is that people are creating content that aligns with your brand, that are involved in communities in a way that aligns with your brand's values, and and are you looking to just kind of feature their stories, or are you looking to partner with them because they have some, you know, some followers?
0: It's a combination of both. But for us, we put a premium on the content they're producing, like how good is the content? that they're producing, like how is it going to look, like how how, yeah, how does the actual quality of the content look? And then two, what is does their story resonate with us? And then three, uh, do they have like a influence in the
1: community? What, what do you look to there to see if they have an influence in the community?
0: Uh, so it's whether they, maybe they do have a lot of followers, maybe they're a local entrepreneur or somebody who has like a tangible uh, impact in their actual community. You know, maybe they're a business owner. Uh, Something that may translate beyond just social media following. So I think it's just a combination of several factors.
1: Got it. So this licensing process you went through was certainly a pivot and gave you access to a brand new line of products that 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 uh, set you up in a different direction. What was it that that allowed you to get these licensing deals? Like how were you when you first kind of scheduled these meetings with uh, the the um I guess the leagues? What what was conversation like?
0: Yeah, the conversation with MLB was easy, with the Blue Jays was easy because, you know, they saw that their customers were purchasing our product and at the end of the day they wanted to align themselves with a brand that had a that had a deep connection with their customers. Uh so because we are a very unique brand as well, where uh you know most brands are trying to be international, trying to sell to every corner, but for us the brand is rooted in being Canadian. Uh, so you know, all of our customer base, our email list, our social following is ninety percent Canadian. Uh, so a lot of the times, the Canadian market is really underserved. You know, with the MLB, there's only one Canadian team, uh, so they're always looking for better ways to service their Canadian customers. Uh, kind of, we did a great job with that, I think, and we really developed some amazing products. So that uh, a lot that caused the NBA to come to us because uh, again, there's only one Canadian team and a lot of the time the Raptors are not being given the attention that they typically are f- because they are a Canadian team. Uh, so that allowed us to build a relationship with the NBA. And now with the NBA, we, we do licensing for all for all teams in the league. and it also allowed us to turn into a partnership with Hockey Canada.
1: Awesome. Okay, so let's talk about the viral campaign that you had actual control over that you purposely launched, which was the MAGA Make America Great Again hat. So you met, you talked about how uh, the kind of content that you had created with uh, the, the the stories of um, basically, I uh, guess why, why don't you explain how, how you guys went from the MAGA hat to the product that you ended up creating?
0: Yeah, I think that campaign is a, is a perfect illustration of you know not necessarily looking for a a big influencer and trying to just connect yourself with a big influencer was something we developed, uh, with an agency we worked with. And, you know, it was really about how do we, like, how do we really get in touch with what's going on right now and pop culture and what's going on and just in, in general in North America right now. And how do we kind of align it to Canadian values? So obviously it's a controversial topic. It's, you know, It might have lost us certain types of customers. Uh, but it again, it goes back to sticking to what we believe in and aligning ourselves with the values that we believe in and, and, you know, choosing to take a stand. Uh, so the concept, like I said before, of of taking a MAGA hat, which is something that, you know, is obviously such a a negative symbol of, of hate and trying to change it into a positive symbol of hope. Uh, so it was about doing the groundwork and finding, you know, people with amazing stories to share and making sure that we can pull it off. And then how do we get this video in the hands of people that can help spread the word?
1: Right. So obviously a great idea and I can see the viral potential in it. But I'm assuming that you all seem to have to kind of support pieces in place so that it has kind of like the on ramp towards viral success. What pieces do you have to put in place to, to that, that you feel like helped this piece of content take off?
0: Yeah, for sure. So once we had the content, once we had the product placed, the next step was to try to get it out to as many others as possible. So on the media side, you're sending it to every Canadian, uh, every Canadian, whether it's a blog, whether it's a media, a TV channel, news station, radio station, just kind of sending out a press kit about the video, putting it out on social media and on YouTube and, you know, trying to connect with We we just started tweeting at different celebrities and different people all across Canada and the U.S. that we thought the messaging might resonate with. And it it, it was kind of a snowball effect. It started off organically. The reach it had on on, on social was was insane. it was viewed by thousands and thousands of people just in the first day organically, so we were able to, you know, once we saw that it was working, put a little bit of ad budget behind it. We got picked up in a lot of the local newspapers, uh, TV, we, w- we were able to get a spot on a breakfast television in Toronto, we were able to get on different radio stations, and it kind of slowly started to swell up, and then we were featured on some large uh, U.S. Online-based, you know, Facebook groups, and it kind of just took a life of its own. It just kept getting picked up by different Facebook groups across the U.S. and Canada, and different online websites, until the uh, you know it, it's really snowballed into almost a million views.
1: Awesome. Are there any apps or tools or services that you use either on Shopify or outside of Shopify that you use to help run the business?
0: Yeah, so definitely, obviously, Shopify number one. Uh, for email, we use Klaviyo, uh, which is really amazing. It connects with Shopify, great. Uh, for analytics, we use a tool that's probably one of my favorite tools that integrates with Shopify. It's called Glue, G-L-E-W, which gives you really good analytics on your customers, your products. Uh, so those are the big three that we use. Uh, we're rolling out Loyalty Lion, so that's another big one. And so Shopify, we use Shopify POS in-store.
1: So what do you think will be the biggest challenge that you will face or you as the team will face this year?
0: Our biggest challenge right now as a company is figuring out how do we scale nationwide. Uh, we've been slowly growing and we have a really strong foothold in Toronto and we're slowly starting to grow Canada wide. So right now, like we show Canadian pride, we show Toronto pride, we work with different teams in Toronto. We want to be able to kind of offer that same level of product Canada wide. So it's taking that next step to becoming a national brand.
1: Oh, awesome. Okay. Thank you so much, Yano. So Peace Collective is the the company, the brand, the store at peace-collective.com. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience.
0: Thank you very much for having me. It was a lot of fun.
1: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify.